0: I draw a fine line between climate accounting and climate action. Climate action picks up from where climate accounting ends in my mind. It's about taking those impacts that we have calculated, being able to figure out commitments.
1: ESG has exploded into compliance and business consciousness in 2021 join Tom Fox, the voice of compliance on the ESG report, and learn about sustainability risks, opportunities, and issues that business leaders and compliance professionals need to know about regarding ESG. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, back for another episode. And today, I am thrilled to have with me Ted Dillon. Ted is a co-founder of Fig Bytes. I think you will hear from his accent. He is from what we say is north of the border, and I'm thrilled to have him because we're going to talk about some really interesting ways he and his company help other companies do data, data analytics, and most importantly, around ESG. So, Ted, with that incredibly long-winded introduction, first of all, welcome, and thank you so much for taking the time to visit with me today.
0: Thank you so much, Tom. Really
1: excited to be here. Ted, could you tell us your professional background?
0: My working life started in the military, Tom. Uh, this was many, many years ago. I consider it a different life altogether. A second-generation military guy started in the Indian Army in 1992, I spent about 10 years there, then moved on and did a stint with the United Nations, working in humanitarian relief operations and operations in natural disaster zones. And then I had the Good fortune of coming to North America, doing my business studies and getting wrapped up in the capitalist way of thinking and working. I got my first break in a technology company, and that's where my love for technology was found. Worked in consulting for a bit, consulting in digital healthcare, consulting in green technologies. And then I met my partner who co-founded Fig Bites with me in 2014.
1: Let's just go to that. Why did you guys Co found Fig Bites, and what's your current role with the organization?
0: I think it was an intersection of several things that led to the founding of Fig Bites. First was just my experiences in different parts of the world with how humankind had destroyed the environment. You know, as I mentioned, I was Indian military and was stationed in multiple different parts of the country, from the high Himalayas to the deserts to the jungles. And I really saw up front and close how the environment was being destroyed. You know, you can go to the Himalayas and see glaciers melting. You can go down to cities like Mumbai and, you know, the monsoons result in flooding and people are rendered homeless literally on an annual basis. I mean, it's just an ongoing cycle now with with severe weather events. So between that and then, you know, working with the UN where I was in places like Darfur, I could see, you know, the desertification there on the edges of the desert really leads to the desert expand. I've spoken to people from Maldives who are buying land in Australia and India and, you know, other countries because they know whatever we do as humankind, that country is going to be half submerged in the next 50 years. So all of those things stuck with me. And then the second thing that gave rise to the thought of building software was really the regulated carbon markets. If you remember... What happened post the Kyoto Protocol, the CDM mechanisms and the JDS mechanisms and the regulated carbon markets were all the rage. And I was just very interested by how one could buy and sell hot air. Because if you look at you know other assets, you buy an asset, it increases in value and you sell it for a profit. Here was an asset that you bought and it expired. So that was the second sort of part that got me interested into building a technology. And the third, of course, was my job in with a software startup that made me realize you know software and technology can really solve complex problems in quick time and if there was one problem that needed solving in quick time that really was the climate you know scenario that the world was facing i mean to me we've already passed the tipping point it's not about avoidance or mitigation anymore it's about adaptation and therefore you know those three things intersected and finally led to the idea of bites.
1: So I talked to a lot of people on this podcast series. The name of the podcast series is Innovation and Compliance. And what I really appreciate is when I visit with someone like yourself is you and I look at the same thing and you see something very different. You see a solution or perhaps a business need or perhaps a business opportunity or perhaps all three. And it sounds like to me that's what you guys were able to synthesize And bring something to the market. And the thing I came across in doing some research for this podcast is the term climate accounting. So I wanted to use that to ask you, first of all, what is climate accounting, and then how FigBytes brings a data analytics approach to the problem, and how you're able to help your clients using data to not only solve or help solve the climate problem, but also around ESG, ESG reporting and requirements from a wide variety of governmental, non-governmental organizations across the globe?
0: That's a great question, Tom, and and it covers so much. Figbytes is a platform that tracks raw data for environmental governance, environmental social and governance management. It takes that raw data, it converts it into impacts and metrics. It then takes the next step of analytics and enabling reporting to different frameworks like SASB, CDP, GRI, and, you know, there's really an overload of acronyms in this space. But what we also do is we take the next step yet towards engagement. And we do that by connecting the data with live visuals of an organization's strategy. It changes the dynamic of how sustainability and ESG is being looked at within an organization. It raises that conversation straight into the boardrooms and the C-level execs. And then we take yet another step, which is around engagement, of audiences, even external to a company. So if you look at it, the entire journey from strategy to data management to analytics and reporting and engagement is covered within that single platform. When it comes to climate accounting, it is actually one of the five different solutions that we offer on that platform. We do offer other solutions like DEI, philanthropy, water stewardship, and supply transparency, all of the same single code stack that we built. And our aim is to start where the company's pain points are. So if it's climate accounting, we start there. And then, you know, our customers always have the opportunity to turn on more functionality as the needs expand or grow. Now in climate action, we take operational data, we pull it into Figbytes through multiple different ways. Those could be connections with other systems that already exist within a company and are tracking Raw data. We can pull data from utility websites so companies don't have to enter data into FigBytes. We can estimate for data gaps. We can connect, you know, with standard systems where companies may already be submitting data like the US EPA's Energy Star. The idea is not to duplicate data capture. All of that data gets centralized within FigBytes. And as it's flowing in, the methodologies for converting that data into greenhouse gas emissions kick in. The system is built on the greenhouse gas protocol and the PCAF methodologies for financed emissions. So that becomes the first step towards climate accounting. The next step is taking all of those results, taking all of those outputs, producing the analytics that a company needs to identify hotspots and areas of improvements, and file reports to either agencies that may be driving reporting locally or to standards and frameworks like. CDP, GRI, SASB, and off late to mandates and certain legislations in different parts of the world. All of that becomes one click. And that is what we do on the climate accounting side. I draw a fine line between climate accounting and climate action. Climate action picks up from where climate accounting ends in my mind. It's about taking those impacts that we have calculated, being able to figure out commitments. And those commitments could be things like a net zero commitment based on the science-based targets initiative or otherwise, but getting deeper now into figuring out the initiatives that are going to help us get there. What are the waypoints that will actually help us get to net zero? What are the projects? All of that can be analyzed within FigBytes. We can do scenario analysis and come up with, with the right approach for an organization to get there. Climate action then takes those results and it bridges the gap between ambition and results. Because without that, what we would essentially have is greenwashing.
1: Wow. I was going to ask a question, but you've already answered it. So let me see if I can perhaps summarize my question in an answer and ask it back to you. One of the things that strikes me and has struck me about ESG is that it is a business process approach. And it's a business process approach along or through various initiatives. We've obviously talked about climate here, but you've also brought up DEI, supplier transparency and others. And that the reason I see DEI is so powerful is it now allows us, or even in some cases mandates us, to measure things we haven't previously measured. And once you start to measure things, then you can begin to start to improve them. So would it be a fair assessment for me to characterize the uh, ESG as a business process approach, or do you see it as something else?
0: It clearly is a business process approach. And I also look at ESG as a reporting initiative as well. I think if you look at the evolution of ESG, and, and for people like you and me who have been following the evolution of the sustainability space for probably a couple of decades now, ESG is a new term that came up, let's say, about five years ago. For that, it was sustainability. And sustainability was sort of preceded by a little bit of EHS. So this evolution has, in my mind, been good because it's taken the broader sustainability requirements, which essentially could be qualitative in nature, and and you would have some companies doing things that really couldn't be quantified in a way that you could compare and contrast. I think what ESG has done, it's moved us into a phase of, let's say, sustainability 2.0, where we can get down to metrics and quantifiable numbers that can now be compared and contrasted across different organizations. Now, clearly, ESG is also something that's been driven, and I think for good measure, by the investment in the financial community. There clearly is this debate about double materiality and single materiality. Is ESG really just a way of looking at you know what's happening in the world and, and how it impacts a company? And, and therefore, it becomes a risk attribute that you know investors need to look at versus double materiality where you know we also need to look at the company's actions and activities and the impact they have on the world and the planet so I, I think over a period of time we'll find ESG and sustainability will, will come closer together in definition but I'm glad that ESG has at least added a sense of urgency into moving the needle in the right direction I think that's clearly happened over the last Two to three years. And a lot of that is being driven by the ESG initiatives and the processes that companies have put in place to address the needs of the different audiences, be those the investors or stakeholders, even you know, the local communities that they work in, all of that now has moved to a, a place where things are being measured, things are being quantified. And I think that's good for the overall movement as well. Because if we can't Compare and contrast and benchmark across different regions, across different countries, across different, you know, mandated frameworks. As an example, I don't think we'll achieve the kind of improvement that we want
1: across the globe, and we won't hit the targets that we've set for humankind. The supplier transparency that you mentioned and that Figbytes advocates, I see that as a critical component for yet another reason. I think. During the pandemic, companies focused on supply chains in the way they hadn't previously. And then for me, the Russian invasion of Ukraine sort of put an exclamation point on that, that we have to rethink our supply chains and supply chain transparencies. How does Figbyte help companies around supply chain transparency? And if I can overlay, going back to the E, I see scope three emissions as a key element to improve business efficiencies because here you're looking at those issues in your supply chain and really wanted to get your thoughts on the role of supply chain transparency in ESG and how Big Bytes is helping to bring that forward.
0: That's a great question, Tom. Um, I'll take it in three parts. So completely agree with you about the impact of supply chain on ESG for any organization. If we were to really look at it in terms of impact i would say for for companies in operationally complex industries like manufacturing automotive etc probably 80% plus impacts lie in the supply chain and you know most of the reporting around greenhouse gases has so far been focused on scope 1 and 2 it was really just a matter of time that scope 3 and related elements would start to come under scrutiny i think it's a matter of time before we have some sort of Mandates just around scope three reporting. That is important. You know, what you said around the pandemic and now the geopolitical challenges with Ukraine are absolutely spot on. I think the pandemic made several companies realize that the dependencies on just China as an example was a big risk. So it clearly became a risk story. And, you know, what's happening in Ukraine today really just cements that if all your natural gas is coming from Russia, that's a problem. So how do we take all of that and start to look at what we need from the supply chains in in order to start reporting on either the risks that encompass our operations because that clearly is also an ESG risk, and how do we start to put plans in place? So the second part that I'll come to is how Figbytes manages that. You know, we have customers who use Figbytes for their own internal, so within their boundaries, data capture, as well as data capture from suppliers. And if you look at supply chain data, that's always been difficult to come by. It's been one of the biggest challenges why companies haven't been able to calculate things like scope three emissions. Because if you look at it, there's really three ways of dealing with data from the supply chain. Either we can get it and it's real data, which essentially means companies can convince the suppliers to share data with them. The second is we can't get it ourselves and therefore we rely on third-party data sets which are available and we can access data of the suppliers from there. And the third is there is no data available for the suppliers, which unfortunately is the biggest category and machine learning and AI algorithms and uh, estimation approaches have really mushroomed in recent years. So where Figbytes comes in is an attempt to do all three of those. The system is architected in a way where our customers can set up their suppliers, suppliers receive invites, they can start to report the data that the company needs. And what we have realized really gets the suppliers going is when companies can offer something in return, some value in return. You know, many suppliers haven't calculated the greenhouse gas emissions, so they probably can't report those emissions to you. Can we get raw data from them and provide some value in giving back calculated greenhouse gas emissions to them. That's of value to them. How can we create that value for the suppliers so they can be onboarded into that data reporting ecosystem? We also have AI algorithms, machine learning algorithms that look at data that's been reported, look at the gaps. They create the, the algorithms that are required to fill out those gaps. And you know where we don't have data at all, we start to then estimate based on things like industry sector, the region of the world that the supply chain goes through, and at least try to get to a complete data set for our customers. The third point I'll make, the third part of why this is critical is clearly from an ESG perspective, companies have realized that the non-financial aspect is sometimes bigger than the financial impacts. And therefore, when you look at events like the British petroleum oil spill, as an example, or the Volkswagen emission scandal, the impact of loss of reputation and brand far exceeded any sort of formalized compliance-based penalty. I think companies have realized that, and therefore, you know, when they slice and dice where those impacts are, they find that most of them lie in the supply chain. And therefore, know, supply chain is going to become more and more critical in not just The data that's missing, we need to get that data, but also in evolving the right kind of strategies for companies where we may also realize that we've been focused on the wrong part of the equation. We've been focused on scope one and two, whereas really we can only make the change that we want to move the needle if we focus on improving our supply chain efficiencies. And to be able to do that is no easy task. It means educating suppliers. It means giving them value in return. It means dealing with suppliers in different parts of the world that will absolutely refuse to share data with us. It's not an easy task. We have tried to build it out in a way within Figbytes that it becomes one more module and allows our customers not just to track data from within their, I would say, boundaries of operations, but also from suppliers, as well as customers that are outside of their control.
1: Let me change the focus just a little bit to water stewardship and why you find this to be such an important part of ESG and how FigBytes is really helping to facilitate water stewardship. You mentioned the various stakeholders of every organization, obviously shareholders, but you also articulated the localities, the places where manufacturing does business or occurs rather and companies do business. How does that all tie it together with the FigBytes approach?
0: So water stewardship is close to my heart because the region I come from has challenges with water. But if you look at it, water is the next carbon. I mean, look at what's happening closer to home. Look at California and the mega drought for the last decade now. I mean, look at the floodwaters in Jacksonville, Mississippi, and the fact that nobody could get fresh water there for weeks because the floods, they destroyed the water infrastructure. And the stories go on and on. Either there is more water or there is no water. That's the dichotomy of the water challenge. Biblical floods in Pakistan can cause the same amount of damage and no water at all can cause desertification. So it's a resource with a tremendous impact and there's direct overlaps with climate. I don't think we'll achieve climate sustainability or we won't hit our climate targets if we don't take the other key element of the planetary boundaries into account, which is water. Water stewardship, in my mind, is about, you know, responsible use of water that is socially equitable, that is sustainable, and that is also beneficial to the communities from where we are withdrawing the water. Unlike climate, you know, water has got a very regional and a localized focus. And therefore, stewardship is critical because companies, as they would have climate impacts, as we talked about scope three, they have direct and indirect impacts of water as well. In many cases, most of those water impacts lie in the supply chain. So how do we control that? How do we make sure our suppliers actually are doing the right things when it comes to water? Are they you know, withdrawing water from the right areas? Do we have operations in water-scarce zones? All of that information is unfortunately not either available, or if it is, it's not being used in decision-making the same way as probably greenhouse gas emissions are. And that's the the challenge that FigBytes is trying to solve is along with those other challenges, we can also tackle water stewardship challenges. So FigBytes tracks operational data, things like consumption of water in in operational processes. It then generates reports on the hotspots. It also generates reports that look at risks. So I mentioned about operations being in in a high water scarcity region. But what about are operations having an impact on the local populace if we continue to withdraw water from that local watershed what's the the amount of water left in that watershed so to be able to do that we worked with the un's aquastar database to bring in risks that we wouldn't normally be thinking about and create a picture of not just water usage the way we have always looked at it so you know if you consume 100 liters of water really that's not the entire impact we have There are virtual water risks. There's blue, gray, green water footprints. And for companies that are using water in their products, that water impact of 100 liters could be anything like 500 or 600 liters. We need to be able to look at this new approach to water risk and include it as part of our overall ESG plan. I think it is going to become more and more critical for companies to look at water and do it in conjunction with their climate
1: impacts. We have spoken about the environmental need for climate accounting and using that information. We have talked about the business process of ESG and how it can create greater efficiencies. I'd like to now turn to the investor side. And why do you see real-time ESG reporting as critical for companies when they are reporting to investors, whether that be a U.S. public market governed by the New York Stock Exchange, whether it be owned by private equity or whether they be trying to access funding from banks or or other sources of capital. So I talked about
0: the risks that investors see from ESG. You know, it's clearly become an overriding risk for several investors, you know, the non-financial aspect. And I think it's going to continue to grow in importance. Data has been lagging the impacts of some of these ESG risks. And it takes time to gather the data and bring it into a report format. If you look at the the normal cycle of reporting that actually goes to the investors, data is captured for the past year. It then gets packaged, and it takes sustainability practitioners or ESG practitioners about a year. And that's the cycle that's fallen in place about a year to produce reports to the CDP or reports submissions to Bloomberg or MSCI and. Essentially, investors are then looking at risks that are probably a year old and data that's lagging can miss out on the clear and present danger of certain issues that may be happening today. You mentioned the war in Ukraine. You know, how has that impacted supply chains? You know, what is the data that's available on it? If we were to speculatively take a company with a supply chain in Ukraine with data that was available about a year ago, and those were the reports that investors were looking at it wouldn't give the right picture. And therefore, we have to trend towards as close to real-time reporting of ESG impacts, metrics, and risks. You know, It's only then that the investors will be able to make the decisions to, to harmonize or balance their portfolios based on those risks. Otherwise, there's always going to be a gap between an event happening and the action being taken by the investors. Therefore, real-time reporting is not just important. I think it's critical if you have to get the right kind of money flowing into the right kind of companies.
1: Ted, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time for this episode, but I was wondering before we leave, if our listeners wanted any more information on yourself, on FigBytes or really any of the topics we touched on in this podcast, what would be the best place for them to go?
0: The best places are our website, figbytes.com. You'll get all the information and details on resources and blogs and the way FigBytes approaches these challenges. You can also reach out to me. My email address is t tdillon, so that's T-D-H-I-L-L-O-N at figbytes.com, as well as feel free to reach out on LinkedIn and follow our page there. Dan, I wanted to thank you again
1: for taking the time to visit with me. This has been a great episode, and I hope we can continue this conversation.
0: Thank you so much, Tom, for having me. It was a pleasure.